Hello and welcome to the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I'm joined by Dustin Ragusa after the spring finale in Stillwater. A ton to talk about this evening. Dustin, how are you, my man? Man, I'm doing well. Uh, I kind of lost my voice this weekend in Stillwater, so if I sound a little weird, my voice is normally weird, but if it sounds a little weirder than normal, I apologize. But uh, other than that, I'm doing well. What about you? Uh, I'm good. You know, if your voice, if you're saying it's weird, I'd normally rate it at like a four out of weirdness. Now you're probably yeah. hovering around a six. So That's no, fine. it's, it's no big as long deal. As I no big below de- seven. Yeah. No big deal at all. In, in my opinion, C plus weirdness is, is always good. So no, I'm good, brother. I appreciate you asking. Uh, do you guys have fun in Stillwater this weekend? It looked like a good time. Yeah, it was a good time. The, the wet, I mean, it was really windy, but the weather held up for the spring game, held up for baseball, Got a little bad, but it cleared up for us to, you know, make it out to the bars. That's all you need, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's really what matters, especially, I mean, with the spring game kind of winding down late, um, that probably allowed for, I mean, you guys were probably able to get over there right around first pitch, I would imagine. So uh, that, that probably worked out pretty well. And at least the weather held up uh, long enough for you guys to hit the strip and get under the palms and, and hit Coney and whatever you guys did. I'm sure it was a blast, but I mean, we have a ton to get to, so I don't even want to like belabor anything because yeah, our, enough our, about, enough our, about our, me. yeah, our agenda is somehow packed. Um, and I say somehow like tongue in cheek, there's, a ton to get to from spring football, NFL draft. I mean, the transfer portal and basketball, big news today popping out of there. So we, we just want to get right into it. I mean, Dustin, you were at the spring game. I mean, really like your one big takeaway, and then we'll dive into kind of the position groups here. Yeah. So kid, overall, it was a little odd. It started out with individual position drills, but no one was really saying anything over the PA system. So we're just kind of all sitting there in the wind watching these individual drills, which was cool. It's cool to get to watch practice. You know, I've talked about on here. I got to go to that spring practice last year. It kind of reminded me of that at the beginning, a lot of individual work. It's hard to kind of pay attention to everything going on. Then it got into the seven on seven and 11 on 11 stuff. So what they did is they started with the ones and 11 on 11. So full team, one defense versus one offense. Then they would swap in seven and seven on seven to give the offensive lineman a break because a lot of guys are injured. You know, they only have like eight guys out right. there right now. So then they'd go back to 11 on 11, seven on seven. They stopped for a kind of halftime period where they did special teams, punt return, and then they went back at it. So the format was a little weird. It was hard to tell at first who the ones and twos were because they went from ones to a seven on seven group that I think was the threes. So like Rangel went out there right after Sanders, but overall it was interesting. There was some, there was some takeaways. I'm sure you've heard a lot about them. I, kind of the major ones. First time Ollie Gordon gets the ball, he goes down. Oh. Looked like a, looked like a stinger to me. Cause he got right back up. Gundy said after if, if it would have been an actual game and he was the one running back, he probably would have gone back in. I think they, I think I saw Robert Allen mention it was like an AC sprain. 
Talon Shetran's looking great. Then he goes down. He's on a scooter later with an ankle. Yeah, that one I hope is as as uh, minimal as Ollie Gordon's. Yeah, Gundy said all these weren't serious. Um, Eli Ross goes out, and they said he may be out like four to five weeks with a sprained knee. But it sounds like he'll be back. I know he's a guy that struggled with a lot of injuries, so I hope he's able to kind of rehab this quickly and doesn't you know, kind of end his football career or anything like that. Cause I know he's had a ton of injuries throughout his career, but he's an awesome offensive lineman. But outside of that, we got a lot of uh, backups. We got a lot of CJ Tate. We got a lot of <laughs> Ben Kapinski guys of that nature that played really well. So it, it overall was fun to watch, but I don't think there were any huge major takeaways. The defense was pretty vanilla. I'm sure you've seen some people write about that. They went, three down linemen with the Leo pretty much the entire time. There was no trace forward. There was no Brock Martin, you know, they're Brock's nursing uh, uh, injury. I believe he's coming off a of surgery trace forward. We knew he wasn't doing any contact stuff. Thomas Harper was out injured on the offensive side. You have Rashad o- with the injuries I mentioned already, Rashad Owens and Langston Anderson are out Cole Birmingham, who We've now seen a media outlet finally report what we've come out, what we kind of heard some rumors about a couple of weeks ago. Robert Allen at Post Report said he said Cole Birmingham is out with a major knee injury. So that's not good. Golly. Um, it seemed like he was kind of, I saw him on the sideline. He was kind of moving around with, with his crutches pretty easily, like not really, didn't look like he was using a lot of force on the crutches. So maybe it's not as serious as we initially thought, but. Overall, pretty vanilla. I know we're going to get into position by position, but there wasn't a lot of huge major takeaways. One one thing that was interesting, Cade, punt return. I saw a Talon Shetron back there. I saw C.J. Brown back there, John Paul Richardson, Brennan Presley, and then I believe – I think that was it. But those four kind of stood out to me because all four of those guys are super dynamic playmakers. Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of you kind of hit on it. I mean, we'll start with the quarterback spot. There's only so much you can glean from an open practice with some eleven on eleven, some seven on seven. Like, there's there's only so much that you can see, and the fact that it's not televised, the fact that there's really very minimal like uh, highlights over it. Like, there's only so much like you can know. If you, if you didn't see it there. So that's, that's kind of a bummer, um, especially for those who, uh, who weren't there. So, you know, to me, I mean, obviously, you know, starting with quarterback, I mean, you saw a little bit of Gunnar Gundy and, and Garrett Rangel, Garrett Rangel with a really nice touchdown pass looked off the safety and hit CJ Tate in stride. I mean, he kind of gave me uh, some Blake shape vibes out there. <laughs> uh, trigger warning, by the way. <laughs> yeah, the quarterback. So I saw Marshall Scott actually posted this. So he has the completions and attempts by quarterback. So he has Sanders with 11 completion on 19 attempts, one TD, two picks. Gunnar Gundy with 17 completions on 24 attempts, no TDs, one pick. Rangel was 19 of 24 with one TD, no picks. And Peyton Thompson, the walk on, was 13 for 17 with no touchdowns, no interceptions. So a lot of people got a lot of run, you know, Spencer yeah, probably nice. had had the least amount right there with Peyton Thompson and then Gundy and Rangel split. But yeah, the, the pass you mentioned, we got to see that one live. Uh, it looked like, it seemed like Garrett Rangel's family was behind me because there was a humongous cheer from a bunch of people. <laughs> Go Garrett cheers. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. We talked to our guy, Adam Lunt. That was a great 
full field read. He's kind of looking left, finding the safety. Lump was kind of breaking it down for us uh, in text, but it looked like he knew the pre-step numbers. And then overall, I thought, I thought he looked pretty sharp, a little nervous, got some happy feet at times. Gunnar Gundy, he's very poised. You can tell he knows the offense, kind of knows where his receivers are, was not afraid to throw the ball over the middle of the field. He hit Talon Shetran several times over the middle. There was one I think put out on Twitter where Shetran made an amazing just leaping catch like 50 feet in the air. Yeah. But that deep ball to CJ Tate, I mentioned him earlier. He had a nice day. But I, I think going in, Cade, I think it's Sanders one, Gunnar Gundy two, Garrett Rangel three. I just think with how long Gundy has been in the system, he's looked good when I saw him at the practice last year. He looked good in the spring game this year. Rangel, the ball pops off his hand. He's got an explosive arm. He can move a little bit. But do you think, is there anything you've heard or seen that you think that if Sanders got hurt, they would run out a true freshman? No, if anything, I feel better about Gunnar Gundy at the two, just from from what you and I have heard, from what we've now seen multiple times. I mean, he looks like he knows where he's supposed to be all the time. And, you know, being a lefty, it's a little strange. Uh, You don't see a lot of that anymore um, at the quarterback spot. So I I don't feel great about it still, but if it were me – I mean, it's it's Gunnar Gundy two and Garrett Rangel three. I mean, get get Garrett Rangel some good reps in the offseason and let's go have like a real duke it out battle next year for that for that QB two spot. Because, again, as you broke the news to me last week, it's Spencer's job for the next two years if he wants it. So um, it may be some quite some time before we see either of these guys with any considerable minutes, you know, knock on wood. Yeah, and. So Sanders, if you want to talk about him for just a minute, since you brought him back up there at the end and his eligibility, he threw two picks. The, f- the second one I actually didn't see, but I believe it hit Brandon Presley in kind of the chest. I think Sanders kind of fired it in there, popped off him and Lyric Rawls, the safety picked it off. The first one, you know, I'm trying to watch everything going on, looking on the sidelines at who's injured and stuff like that. So I wasn't watching the exact route, but I believe it was John Paul Richardson on and out. Looked like Sanders maybe didn't lead him enough, kind of left it right there. But Jabbar Muhammad broke on this ball full speed. He caught it in full speed, 40-yard dash as fast as you can go. And just took off, just took off with it. So my take on that is these guys have been practicing together for (laughs) right 20 years. They know all the route concepts probably wasn't a great throw from Sanders from what I saw. Cause I did, you know, as Sanders is throwing it, I do look over. It didn't look like the best throw. It's on the opposite side of the field from me, but Jabbar made a great play. I, I mean, he knows everything about this offense now. So I wouldn't take too much away from either of those Sanders interceptions during the individual drills. Spencer was whipping the ball around. He was the only per, only one of the four quarterbacks who I think put the ball in the money every single time. And when Spencer was throwing it, I was watching. So I got a good kind of overall take of how he looked and just kind of the zip on his ball. And it, it looked beautiful. It, it looked like he looked last year, which was great QB play from him overall on the season. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, well, where do you stand? I, I had this question for you over the weekend because when I saw all the, you know, there was a little bit of freak out about Spencer Sanders throwing picks in a spring game. It's like, Hey guys, it's going to be fine. Okay. So where do you land on, like, if you're going to, if you had to pick your quarterback throwing a pick 
or your cornerback making a play on your quarterback, which one would you like? Would you rather have your quarterback dominating the defense or the defense making a play? What would you rather see? Going into this season, I, I know Spencer saying I saw what he did last year. Both of us saw it. We know outside of those Baylor games, we know he can protect the football. We saw him throw the ball away a lot. We saw him make some really good decisions, make good calculated passes over the middle, go through his progression. So to answer your question, I wanted to see what the defensive backs did. And Kate, when we get to them, they are very fast. Jabbar Muhammad looked awesome. I, I don't want to go too much into it right now, but to answer your question, I wanted to see the defense make plays and they did. Yeah. Well, that's, that's where I'm at Dustin. I mean, and I got a little bit of um, flack for that belief. It's like in this, this season, you know what you have in Spencer Sanders. I mean, he, he had 12 interceptions last year, seven of which came against Baylor. So that means in, in 11 games last year, he threw five picks. If he can yeah. just figure out whatever Baylor was doing, I mean, he's going to be fine. So ball security, less of a concern of mine in this off season, I would rather see Jabbar Muhammad, Corey Black, Kendall Daniels breaking on the ball. And so, as you said, we'll get to that here in a little bit, but I, I agree with you. I wanted to get your take on that. Yeah. And it's just, if anyone's gleaning too much from this, taking away too much from the spring <laughs> finale, I mean, it was seven on seven for 40% of it. You can't really take a lot away from seven on seven. You know, there's no lines, there's plenty of time. You know, they have the clock going to, you know, when someone would get sacked, but it's so much different without the offensive defensive line out there. You know, there's no one to really look over for the quarterback. So I would not take too much away from this overall spring practice, but I did think Sanders was zipping the ball around. Looked like he's still the same guy we know he is in, in opposed like in regards to velocity and things of that nature and arm strength. And then Gundy and Rangel looked solid. And my guy Peyton Thompson looked pretty good for a walk on. So overall, I thought the quarterbacks, I thought the quarterbacks were probably a B on the day. I think you'll take a B anytime. I mean, Dustin, there's plenty to get to. I mean, what'd you think about the running backs? Obviously the big news in that position group is Ollie Gordon going out on, on basically play number one. And you really just get to look at him and not ever really get to see him run with the football. What? So the, let's, let's walk through what he actually looked like to you. And then we'll kind of break down the running backs. I mean, is he, is he the freak that everybody says he is? He looks like a monster. It was literally the first run though that he had. Yeah. That's so, so you really don't get any chance to see what he does, but he is so big. He looks like, he doesn't look like someone that should still be in high school right now. He is a absolute monster. It sucked to see him go down. You could hear the air just kind of go out of the stadium when that happened. But overall, the running backs were impossible to evaluate. You've got, what did I say, eight offensive linemen. you got guys out there who are probably going to be third team that are maybe even fourth team that are blocking against some really solid defensive linemen. I want to say the yards per carry was like, point two on the day <laughs> there was really no big runs you know dom still looked good making some moves back there Jaden nixon looked fine cj brown when he got the ball you could see some explosiveness there but overall there was just a not a lot to take away from the running backs well i mean anything stand out to you on i mean on the wide receiver spot or, or cowboy back offensive line anything like that the injuries are significant and so it's like okay you don't want to glean try to glean too much. I agree with you. It can be 
kind of a, a fool's errand to try to look at spring game tape and break down too much because you're going against twos and threes and, and units are broken up due to injury. And so, I mean, the fact that you can't glean much from the running backs because Ollie Gordon goes down, there's nobody on the offensive line. I mean, what, what about the wide receivers stuck out to you? Well, and, and before we get to those, Kate, just as, as we're moving along, just kind of talk about the depth chart going into the fall like we were doing for the quarterbacks. I think it's going to be Dom one, Jaden Nixon two. I would think Ollie Gordon gets some run at some point. Both you and I think that. Maybe some C.J. Brown in there. But I found out recently that Zach Middleton actually broke his hand. Oh, so wow. he, should be, he should easily be back for the fall. But right now you've got those four scholarship guys – so we'll see, but I think it's going to be Dom, and I think it's going to be Jaden Nixon. I'm, I just don't know how you can keep Ollie Gordon off the field, but it's a little troublesome that first college carry and any kind of live action that we've been able to see, he goes down. So hopefully it's a quick recovery, and, but I think it's going to be Dom and Jaden as we head into game one. That's interesting because that fits a little bit more into the kind of thunder and lightning approach that we've, we've talked about this off season is do they go Dom and Ollie? Do they go Dom and Jaden? I mean, it sounds like they're pretty happy with what they have in Jaden Nixon. So um, that's interesting to see. And you just wonder what, what Dom can handle. I mean, going, what is he, I mean, he's going to get 15, 20 carries a game this year. So you hope he can hang on to the ball and that, that durability isn't a factor there. So anyway, because we, mentioned we mentioned some ball security stuff there was none of that looked good there but moving on to the wide receivers just overall through the spring we've heard a lot about Jaden Bray a lot about Braden Johnson a lot about Brendan Presley and John Paul Richardson just looking great they all solid in the spring game um I believe Jaden Bray had a couple of good catches he's just he's just an amazing athlete it's it's just awesome to watch him out there there's Rashad Owens and Langston Anderson who I mentioned earlier that they, they both weren't weren't participating both out with injuries they've had solid springs it sucks to see Langston miss any time it sounds like it's not serious but you know that's a guy that's just been plagued with injuries throughout his college career but I know I've heard that both those guys are going to be back and ready for the summer and strength conditioning program um, you got Kale Cabanis. We talked about CJ Tate, Clayton Barber, guys like that getting a lot of action. No one really stood out, popped besides the stuff I saw from Talon Chetron. He looked good. One thing we one thing we hit on, I know when we were breaking him down with Lund, is his route running. It looked pretty crisp. It looked like that's something he's been working on. We saw in the video uh, from the other day from spring practice, him doing doing some hand fighting and working on his get off from the line yeah. of scrimmage. So he's working on some of this stuff. He looked solid out there, looked like a freak athlete. Gunnar Gundy hit him a few times, one nice ball on the sideline too, along with that one I mentioned over the middle. But I think with the ones, I don't think there's any way you're not seeing Jaden Bray, Brennan Presley, and John Paul Richardson rotating out there with the ones. And I think the other guy with him playing on the outside right now and with Bryson Green missing, missing time due to injury, I think Braden Johnson might have worked himself back in to the starting lineup with, as one of, the, one of the four receivers running with the ones. Do, do you think that's a hot take? Or do no. you think, could you see that as well? I'm almost expecting it at this point. I mean, what we've heard about – um, golly, I mean, 
holy cow, I just completely blanked. Um, Braden Johnson. Braden Johnson. I was going to say Bryson Johnson. Like, <laughs> I know that's not right. Um, and I was looking at your notes here. Um, yeah, Braden Johnson. I mean, what we've heard about him this year um, is that he is faster than he was before he left. And so having that speed on the outside, coupled with what you have in, on the inside with John Paul Richardson, Brennan Presley, some volume receivers that you can depend on. I really would not be surprised to see Brayden Johnson out there on the outside this year. Um, you know, whether it's in a kind of shared duty at that spot, I don't know. Um, Cause I mean, Bryson green showed you some stuff last year, but I mean, the, the big news for me was Talon Chetron going out with an injury. I mean, he does really look the part, right? I mean, as a true freshman, it's like, Oh man, he could, he could probably get out there and play a little bit today. I would think. Yeah, and from the stuff that Coach Dunn is saying, he's still got a lot of things to improve upon. But like we're saying, this guy should still be in high school. Physically, I think he could be ready to play game one. Mentally, we'll see where it goes. But I'm pretty high on him. After I just said don't take too much from the spring game, but I'm pretty high on him after what I saw because some of the concerns I had, it looks like he's been working on the route running, the physicality that we talked about, getting off of press man coverage. So the fact that I, he showed that he's able to do that and he's not afraid to go up and get the football over the middle like he did, yeah, right. just kind of completely exposing his body for a big hit. No, it's a spring game, so he knows he's not going to get laid out. But still, I thought it, I thought it was pretty impressive. And I, I'm excited to see him kind of work his way back from this mild injury and maybe get some run. I mean, your, your opinion changed after, after Saturday. It's still Jaden Bray for you. He's the guy. Jaden Bray just looks too good. He's too good. <laughs> That's awesome. I can't wait. You and my brother agree. I do too. I just. But pre hey, Presley and John Paul looked awesome. The way those guys run routes, it, it hurts my knees to it's watch. It's like them run they routes. glide. They yeah. almost glide. It's, it's pretty amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jaden Bray looks the part has, has shown us enough. I mean, over a thousand yards seems like a stretch to me, but I mean, it may not be if they if they air it out the way that we think they could I mean he he could be a 1200 yard receiver no problem I think yeah and just kind of scheme wise there was it's hard to take anything away from seven on seven but in the 11 on 11 stuff it looked like a lot there were a lot of quick routes to the outside it looked like they were trying to focus with Rangel and Gundy on taking some shots over the middle of the field, probably trying to get them comfortable with doing that, especially in the full team. And I know they've been doing it all spring, but that's something you got to work on with these younger quarterbacks that might, you know, might be scared to throw it over the middle. They kind of just want to hit the check down if the guy on the outside's not open, but the, the quarterbacks and wide receivers looked like they were on the same page. I didn't see a lot of miscues. So I, nothing popped from the scheme. Ugh. Most of the runs were zone runs, which is not surprising. That's what we saw last season. I don't expect that to change. Maybe some more gap scheme in there. But Spencer Sanders had a nice run as well. He ran a touchdown in. So that's, you know, it's a spring game, though. He can't get hit. So right. over, overall, not a lot to take away from the scheme. I know we got some questions about scheme. It's hard for me to tell, too, sitting where I was in the stadium. If it was televised, which if it was televised, it would have been one of the most boring things to watch but, but i i, I would imagine that and it's it's interesting you know i don't want to get off on a tangent about this but you hear a lot of people talk about like oh my gosh oh you had seventy five thousand people at their spring game and it's like build a statue 
I mean, put a trophy in the trophy case if that's what matters. I mean, it really, at the end of the day, it, it's a spring game and it's a spring practice, like at the end of the yeah. day. And so I, I, I totally understand Mike Gundy's approach to it. And then you see three of like three key guys. I mean, Eli Russ, I know is a little bit down the depth chart, but that's, that's quality depth and experience that like, well, there was probably else. you couldn't afford to lose right now. So it's yeah. like that. I mean, in a spring game in a real live scrimmage, you're probably you're guaranteed injuries. And in this case, you already had three. So I, I appreciate what, what Mike Gundy is doing there. I mean, Dustin, anything for you with the Cowboy backs that stood out? I mean, it's a – it's a Braden Cassidy. He, yeah. I mean, Blaine Green's one. out with injury, isn't he? Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot of him and Blaine Green. I think it's going to depend on what they're trying to do at those specific times. I don't think – you know, they're not going to tip their hand and put Blaine Green out only in passing situations. Braden Cassidy was out there running routes. He looked a lot more agile than I've seen him in the past. We didn't get a lot of, you know – times where we saw him go out on routes or saw him try to kind of move laterally but he looked pretty quick I know I know he said he's in the best shape of his life on an OSU Max video I watched the other day so he's going to be the main guy out there one interesting thing that I noticed about the Cowboy backs number 47 I had no idea who that was Jake Schultz uh switched from defensive end to Cowboy back and I believe he's uh. still listed as defensive end on the online roster so that was pretty interesting there but you know Blaine Green's out you've got you got Luke McIndoo you've got Quentin Stewart guys like that out there but Tabor Shetran but it's going to be I think it's going to be a heavy dose of Cassidy and Blaine Green any any argument there from you no no nothing there stands out worth an argument it's a bummer that Blaine Green's still out with injury but I mean yeah that that's one and two to me it's interesting to see Jake Schultz flipping sides of the ball. You don't see that a ton. And you really don't see it a ton going defense to offense. A lot of times you see it going offense to defense. And, and who knows if green comes back, that could be a place. Comes back, yeah. Maybe he flips back to defensive end. Cause it was just odd to me that I, I, unless I looked at it wrong, it looked like he was still listed as defensive end. So that would have been one of the only changes I've seen where they didn't update it. But, uh, and lastly, Kate, probably the least takeaway is the offensive line <laughs> has to be right. I mean, what could you have gleaned from this? So I believe the one, this is what I wrote down, but I, they were shifting stuff around. So the one offensive line out there with Sanders was Etienne at left tackle. It was Taylor Matirko at left guard. It was Jake Henry at center. It was Logan Nobles, who we said has been playing tackle at right guard. And then Jake Springfield at right tackle. That was the one's, offensive line when I was wow. able to kind of see their numbers from where I was at, but then they started shuffling stuff around. And since they only had eight guys and then Eli Russ goes down, they're kind of moving everybody all around, but Etienne is a monster and he looks, I know Gundy keeps saying he lost 40, 50 pounds. You can tell he doesn't look skinny. He just looks like, you know, the heavyweight champion WWE, just <laughs> undertaker style monster, man. Um, but he looked good. He was moving his feet. Well, I really like nobles and Jake Henry. I don't think they're going to be guys with the ones when we get to fall, but the fact that they've gotten so many reps, I think they're key pieces on the depth chart and nobles has shown he can play guard. He can play tackle. I believe I said he's a former walk-on. He's always been on scholarship. He told us the guy he's talented. He can play Matirko also been playing all over the place. Yeah. That's he's a name we haven't heard in a while. 
Yeah, so he he's been playing all over the place. Saw Tyron Weber running uh, tackles with the twos. He does look pretty slim, but I didn't think he looked bad. He's not, you know, like I said, Caleb Etienne, so he looks small compared to him. But I think Weber, as he goes through the summer workouts, summer conditioning, maybe he possibly could be a guy you plug in either as a backup tackle or maybe a floating guard if Birmingham is out. So we'll see there. Not a ton to take away. You know, they got to get, oh, Preston Wilson was out there. He was snapping on seven on seven. So he was in full pads. He just wasn't doing any contact stuff. Hunter Woodard, Joe Maholsky, Silas Barr, they'll all be making their way back. I would expect Barr to compete too at both guard and tackle. I know they kind of brought him in as a tackle, moved him to cowboy back. He's a little bit slimmer when he's paying cowboy back, but the dude is strong. We saw him block on that split zone play, that trap block, and just lay some people out. So I think he could be a guy that could compete at guard and tackle as well. I don't think as a one, but as a depth piece. So as Gundy says, we're gonna have 20, they're gonna have 25 offensive linemen when they get to June. I'm not worried about it, Cade. After what we've talked about, we've broken down the offensive line so much. We're gonna do it more. Are you concerned, even if Birmingham is out, are you that concerned with a lot of the guys coming in and with a lot of the guys coming back? Uh, I'm not, I'm not concerned. Birmingham's injury, I told you this earlier, I think it could be potentially the worst spot on the team where you have an injury like that, a season-ending injury outside of quarterback. I mean, that is a humongous deal. I mean, I know you can shuffle things around, but Cole Birmingham might be your number one offensive lineman, um, and so maybe number two. So that's a, that's a difficult position to put your offensive line in at this late in the game. I was sitting here listening to you talk, and I was like, man, Casey Collier, Prince Pines, and Jason Brooks, they cannot get here soon enough, honestly. Like, that that's a big deal. And and not being able to practice with those guys um, is significant. But the fact that they've got, you know, Logan Nobles, Jake Henry, Taylor Materico is a name that, like, was very interesting to me when he came out of – I think he was junior college, wasn't he? He was out of uh, – Maybe, maybe I'm thinking of a different guy. He might have been straight out of high school. I might be thinking of. Um, I think he's in. I think he's like New Mexico or something. Yeah, no, the, I, New Mexico. Bad. Yeah, New Mexico Carl's Military Mexico. Institute. But that's a. Is that a high school? No, he's he's straight out of high he's, school. I'm saying he. Yeah, came that, from that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay, so I'm thinking of somebody different. Anyway, regardless, what I'm saying is that's a name that I was interested in a couple of years ago when he came in. So it's nice to see him floating up the depth chart when things get a little bit thin. So I I'm getting reps to your point. These guys are getting reps. They can be used it helps. in depth. Yeah. Yeah. It helps for now. I mean, That's again, you don't want to get to the point where they are the guy, um, but it, it helps in the meantime, honestly. Yeah. And if, and again, we don't have to go 40 minutes on the offensive line like we've done probably two, I think like two episodes in a row. A couple <laughs> times. But Isn't it interesting? You, like it's always the thing we come back to. <laughs> but Etienne, we've heard he's looked good. He looked good in the spring game. Still got some stuff to work on, Gundy Sam. But if he comes out and he's your left tackle, Preston Wilson at center, Hunter Wooded at right guard, then you've got Prince Pines, Jason Brooks, Casey Collier, Jake Springfield, Logan Nobles, Taylor Materko, all fighting for the left guard or, or right guard, depending on where they end up putting Woodard and right tackle spots. I like 
And, you know, th- throw Tyrone Weber into the mix. I like all those names. I don't, I, to your point, I don't love I like some their... of them, but I like all of those names and I like, I like having all of those pieces. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's, and, and that's why to me, and Eli Russ is a significant deal because he's another one of those, those guys that, that could potentially slot in and with the twos if you needed him. And Eli Russ is one like sat next to his cousin at the big 12 title game. We talked all about it. So like, I'm, I'm rooting for him because now I've, I've met some people in his corner. I'm like, Oh, this seems like a great story. Like I'm rooting for him. And so you hear him go down. It's like, Oh, son of a gun. That sucks. But um, you know, it's key depth is important. And it seems like Oklahoma state, doesn't have that today on the offensive line, but they will have that by the time the season rolls around. And I think that's the most important deal. And really not even by the time the season rolls around, by the time summer camp rolls around, that's what we're looking at. Yeah. Kid, I didn't really have anything else on the offense. I know that was kind of probably boring. There wasn't just, there wasn't a ton of highlights. It, it was fun to, to watch everybody go through. I had a great time kind of downplaying it, saying it was boring, but I had a fun time. And it was interesting seeing, you know, the backup quarterbacks play some of these wide receivers we haven't seen a lot of. And it wasn't this part wasn't fun, but it was interesting seeing the guys that were out with injuries that we didn't know about or hear about. That's wild, too. I mean, we we have said a few times and, and have called some injuries, but Rashad Owens being out, that seems kind of significant. I mean, he he's in the team. Andy Anderson. All the stuff we heard I mean, about Gunnar Gundy at Langston Anderson, I was so ready for that, and then we didn't even see it. And that's a huge bummer because I feel like neither of us or none of us have ever seen Langston Anderson play football, and that's a bummer because everything you hear is like he's a playmaker, but we've never seen it, so yeah, it, it's a bummer. Um, I mean, Dustin, moving on to the defensive side of the football, I mean, starting with probably the headlining unit of this football team right now, defensive line. I mean, again, you already mentioned – Trace Ford not doing any contact drills, Brock Martin not practicing at all. So what did you take away out of that group? Yeah, we had Colin Oliver. He was kind of used conservatively, wasn't out there a lot, but it's Colin Oliver. He looks good. He just looks good, like to look at him, much less just watch him play. (laughs) (laughs) He's awesome. I can confirm (laughs) at the 10 gym in Edmond, as I've said many times, he's a physical specimen. But you've got Tyron Irby, uh, Israel uh, Hunley, Ben Kempinski, Landon Dean got some run out there. Kate, I love Ben Kempinski. He's yeah, awesome. you really, you really do. Yeah, he's all over the place. My my, our guy Fuller, you know, creator of the feels like forty five <laughs> name. That's he right. is a big, big Ben Kempinski guy as well. Gundy loves Kempinski. He was all over the place. He kind of stood out to me the most from that Leo position, but. I know I saw some quotes uh, talking to Brock Martin after the game. He said, it doesn't matter to me who starts. If Trey starts and gets 30 plays and I get 30 plays, then Colin gets 30 plays, then it's great because I know we'll all be producing. And then there's the double Leo package. That will be fun too. So it's awesome. We've heard multiple quotes talking about having the two Leos on the field at the same time. We saw it at times last year. We've heard Mason talk, Coach Derek Mason talk about it. So I'm excited to see that. Uh, but outside of that, the, the Leos was pretty much guys that probably you aren't going to see a ton of because of the Oliver, Martin, and Trace Ford kind of trio there. But probably my favorite of everybody I watched was Kapinski. That's pretty interesting. I mean, I, knowing you, though, and, and the amount of conversations we've had about Ben Kapinski, I'm not surprised. But 
you think he's going to be a, a contributing factor? Or do you think that's just a product of where they're at today no, in, in spring practice? It's Oliver Martin for they're going to try to get those three on the field as much as possible. Now, if somebody goes down, that's that's where I'm at. You know, those three. Where's Kapinski and all of that? I think it's I think Irby and Kapinski are next up. Tyron Irby, wow. we've seen him. I mean, we saw him. We saw Irby get some run last year. And we saw Kapinski get some run. Oh yeah. And then after after that, I think you got uh, Israel Hunley as well. And then Landon Dean's your last option there for now. But you've got a I ton like of guys Dean, coming but... in at that Leo spot. So we'll we'll get to some of those guys too. But um, for for the rest of the defensive line, the ones seem to be Sionia C, Cody Walterscheid. And Tyler Lacey. That looked like the one wow. defensive line, but you got to remember, you got no Brendan Evers right now. He's not out there as well. Oh, that's a good. He point. was not participating. Uh, he's rehabbing from surgery. Pretty much everybody's rehabbing for surgery. Yeah, I think it seems like it. Surgery. Big so, title runs are are uh, <laughs> a toll on the body. <laughs> so Walter Shad looked great. A C looked great. Tyler Lacey. It, if you let me talk about Tyler Lacey, we'll be going all day. All those guys look solid. So I wanted to talk about some of the guys we maybe don't see as much. You got your Nathan Latou, your Samuela Tauhulamaka, and your Xavier hey. Ross. They looked really good. Aiden Kelly is out there, Colin Clay, and Marcus Duckworth. I liked what I saw from Kelly and Clay, two guys that you and I really like. We want to be able to see them out there. Colin Clay dealing with the injuries. Aiden Kelly just getting up to speed after coming straight out of high school. I think both those guys could push to get rotated in. And Kate, do you see any reason why we wouldn't rotate defensive linemen like they've done last season? Do you, I, I know see Derek no Mason's, reason they wouldn't. I, I know his Vanderbilt teams, he liked to play the ones and only the ones. I think he called them like the ones were the goons and the other guys were something else. But he, he he's always talking about playing the goons. But I think he's going to rotate people in when you've got Walter Scheid, Latou, Lacey, a C, Samuela, Xavier Ross, Aiden Kelly, Colin Clay. Well, that's why would so, you know that's Brendan so Evers. much depth at that really like those two, three spots. I mean, I was going to ask you too what you thought about Samuela to Alamaca because he was a late ad. Um, well, really not late, but he was an ad that we didn't see coming. Um, from I think he was from Snow College in uh, if if I'm not mistaken, and then was Utah State. I'm trying to pull it up. I can't I can't get it up here. Uh, well, he's while you're but, pulling that up, Kate. I think I think he's number two behind a C. I think he's a C's backup. Well, so I was going to ask you what you thought about him. So that's that's good news because when they brought him in, I thought he would be somebody that could potentially fill a depth position uh, on that defensive line. I love him. I think, I think he's a guy that could be a starter on other big 12 teams. Wow. And I know a C probably isn't the flashiest guy to have as your starting defensive lineman, but when you've got a C, you've got Samuela, you've got Aiden Kelly, Colin Clay, and even a guy like Marcus Duckworth, that's so much depth and overall talent. I don't know if you need your standout guy to be at that position when you've got Evers, you've got Clay. You just need really, really good players, and a lot of them are really good players, and a lot of them. And there's so much depth at that interior defensive line position on this team. They really only lost what Antwine and pretty much everybody else is back and ready for action. Uh, Jaden Jernigan as well, but it. It's a lot of returning talent and even a lot of returning overall snaps 
at, well, at that interior defensive line position. You know, you're talking about a guy like Brendan Evers, who is one of you and I's favorite players, your favorite player. I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's tattooed on, on my, on my forearm here. Um, <laughs> well, I was trying to figure out, I, I've got Samuela Tuahalamaka and somebody else confused. So they just brought somebody in, in, in the, uh, spring early on i'm trying to pull the name up but oh uh you're talking about you know i'm talking f yes you know i'm talking i don't yeah that's what i'm thinking of i'm not sure i I need to confirm this i don't know if he ended up enrolling in the spring yeah because he's not on the spring roster i actually was i meant to confirm that the other day and and completely forgot so beyond that which makes sense because i was like okay that that didn't check out in my brain. So but him said too. that I was like, Oh, great. But that's not the same guy. Um, Aiden Kelly, anything there jump out. He's to me is like an Israel Antoine. So I'm curious what you thought about him. If you saw anything there. Yeah. I liked, I liked Kelly. He looks like he's ready to play, you know, coming in from high school takes a little bit to get all the way up to speed. You got to get with Rob glass. He looks like he's ready to play now. I think he could be a contributor. And Colin Clay, I liked Kelly and Clay a lot. I liked what I saw from them. Those were two guys. It's good to see Colin Clay out the there that, too. Yeah, that pop that kind of popped to us. But I, I'm I'm excited for the defensive line. They're going to be so good. Counting the Leo position too. The only thing I was a little upset about, and maybe I missed some some of these, was it was just three down with a Leo pretty much the entire time. And maybe that was on purpose. You know, Derek Mason just doesn't want to show some of that stuff he's talked about going maybe even one hand in the ground guy, or maybe no hand in the ground. And also you don't have all your Leos out there with Martin and Ford and then Oliver kind of limited. So that was the only thing that was maybe a little disappointing when we're talking about defensive line, but overall those guys, they're going to be awesome. I mean, they, they, they're going to have to lean heavily on, on this linebacker crew too. That's replacing, I mean, maybe the best linebacker duo in Oklahoma state history in Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper, I mean, Mason Cobb and Xavier Benson are kind of the talk of the town right now, especially Mason Cobb. You hear a lot of good things. So much speed, Cade. So much speed from those two guys. That's awesome. And it's that's something you actually can take from seven on seven because the linebackers are out there just basically on an island. Yeah. And the and these guys are fast. We've heard we've heard about Cobb all spring. He's going to be awesome losing Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper to your point, you're obviously going to take a step back. We talked about Malcolm Rodriguez, probably one of the best linebackers in recent OSU history. Devin Harper, probably the most, maybe the most underrated OSU linebacker of all seriously, time. Seriously. When we get to NFL draft, we can talk more about him, but Benson and Cobb looked great. Bishop looked good. Who stood out to me, a name we probably haven't said a ton because we've talked as the backups. I think we t- we've talked a lot about Nick Martin and Lamont Bishop. And then we mentioned Donovan Stevens from Dell yeah. City, whose name is going to be kind of popping later in the spring. Jeff Robertson. This yeah, that, that is a new one. He is really good. And we'll talk about Cameron Farrar in the transfer portal. I just don't know. I don't know if Farrar saw where he was going to get snaps when you've got Cobb, Benson, Bishop, Stevens, Robertson, and Nick Martin. Really, the only negative we've heard is that some of these, some of the younger guys like Martin and Robertson are maybe having a little bit of trouble with the overall scheme, terminology, things like that. But it's going to click. They're going to be studying all summer. They're going to get into the fall. And I don't know if maybe overall the linebacker group has, as a whole, 
could be better than last year, just depth wise and everything. Your one and twos aren't going to be any better, but you've added Benson to the mix. Who's a guy that started at Texas tech as a freshman and absolutely dominated the Juco ranks. No doubt. Is that too hot of a take to say this overall, just linebacker depth may be better than we've seen in recent years. It's hard to say since you haven't seen a lot of them play a game at Oklahoma state. Well, I mean, Rodriguez and from Cobb. Rodriguez and Harper never came off the field. It was amazing how much they played at that position. So no, it's, it's, it's really not a hot take if you scratch the surface there. Like beyond those two guys last year, we had no idea what Oklahoma State had. I mean, Mason Cobb got some run, but it was really in like a reserve role. And it was like in case of emer- like break glass, break glass in case of emergency <laughs> type of situation. Uh, so we didn't see a ton there. And you saw them firsthand. So the fact that you're saying there's a lot of speed there, um, a lot of agility, um, I like that because Cobb and Benson, like those are, they're not the same type of player as Harper and Rodriguez. Like I would think Cobb and Harper are similar players. And then I think Benson is like, we don't really have a good comp in, in previous history uh, to him. So I, I can't wait to see what they do. Um, and I mean, Benson's Don- coverage skills. Maybe better than both Malcolm and Devin. His his JUCO tape was was riddled with interceptions. So it was like he was very comfortable dropping back into zone. Uh, very impressive in that regard. And and one guy that I've been interested in is Donovan Stevens because he he's kind of a freak. Like he he looks the part, no doubt about it. Like he gets off the bus and you're like, oh dear, he that's a big man. So it's good to see what that he's you know, uh, cracking, uh, the, t- the top, you know, too deep there. So, yeah. And I think the only other name I didn't mention was Gabe Brown, the freshman. He made, he made a few plays. These guys were coming up and hitting the running backs at the line of scrimmage when they were going on 11 on 11. I almost wanted to walk down there and ask him to chill out after hurting Ollie. And then they're just, they're picking some people up and slamming them down. I'm like, guys, same team. Yeah, but, no, you know, you got to practice tackling. I'm, I'm joking, but it was there was some aggressive hits from this linebacker core. Well, I mean, are, are we going to retire the uh, the number five Kendall Daniels jersey yet? Are we there yet? Or I mean, what okay. what do you think in the secondary? The very first thing that I noticed when I sat down in the seat at the stadium was number five on the defense and in the individual drills. He's like a foot taller than everybody else. <laughs> he, he is. He really He's, is. I, what is he listed at? Six four. Six four. Yeah. He like Trey Flowers like frame. I think he's six six. He's Sheesh. he's a monster. <laughs> but he looked awesome. So the one safeties kids since we're switching to them now, Jason Taylor, Kendall Daniels, and then Thomas Harper was out with injury. I, I checked on it after the game. It's mild, but I I did not know he was out. I thought yeah, he'd been practicing. No, me either. So Trey Rucker was in his spot, who we saw last year. Trey got some run. Uh, he had the targeting yeah, yeah, yeah. as well you know he's pretty aggressive but he was in that kind of strike position which is a little bit interesting but Daniels was coming up playing that song strong safety spot coming up at the line of scrimmage getting oh, involved man. in the run game <laughs> Jason Taylor was all over the place Rucker looked good as well and then Shawn Michael Flanagan's rotating in there with uh, Kendall Daniels he also looked good I liked what I saw from Kanayan Williams Ty Williams, and then Lyric Rawls. He had a pick on the ball that hit Brendan Presley uh, in the midsection. He's good. 
I, he maybe is a two deep guy at, at safety. Lyric Rawls is a name I would, I would remember. We've talked about him on here before, but actually getting to see him kind of move around a little bit, a bit out there. You got Nick Session. I already mentioned Kanai Williams. He was in my notes as well. The safeties, Cade. I know they're losing a lot with Colby Harvell Peel, but they look – and Trey Sterling, guys like that, but they look good. I mean, safety I've, – I've kind of lumped the secondary corners and safety into one group of like if, – if that group is average, then, then they're going to be a really good defense. Um, I would almost say if the safeties are average because I, we've seen enough out of Jabbar Muhammad and Corey Black to think that, that average isn't necessarily like the ceiling for them. Like that wouldn't be overachieving for those guys. So you don't know what the depth looks like at corner, but when it comes to safety, like you talking about Kendall Daniels, like getting up in the line of scrimmage, like that to me spells disaster for an opposing offense. Like I can't wait to see what he does to a, a bubble screen, a, ru- a running back out in the flat, uh, an, an overthrown pass in the flat. Like he seems like a ball hawk. And I just, I can't wait to see him out there because I'm not sure we've had anything like that since Trey Flowers was playing safety at Oklahoma State. And really, like, I think Kendall Daniels is just a better athlete. Yeah. And Gundy's mentioned it so many times that it may have just made me biased. He's talked so much about the speed. But it was unreal to watch. And maybe that's maybe that's over-exaggerated watching seven-on-seven seven a lot because Man. it's just guys flying around with no linemen. But the speed on the defensive backfield and the overall athleticism, you know, I love Trey Sterling, love Colby Harvell Peel. We saw Trey Sterling not perform that well at the pro day, just kind of in his measurables, overall athleticism. I still think he's an amazing player. Yeah, but, neither of those guys off the charts athletic, though. Yeah, I don't know if they've got the Kendall Daniels, Lyric Rawls, even Trey Rucker, and obviously Jason Taylor. We've seen him all over. Jason Taylor, the playmaker. So it, it was fun to watch. But I, I think the name that kind of popped to me besides Kendall Daniels, because honestly couldn't stop looking at him. I know that's creepy. <laughs> but uh, Lyric Rawls, he's, he's a name I would watch. I'm not sure. All I've heard is Shawn Michael Flanagan's been playing really well, too. He looked great. So I don't know, because I think it's him and Kendall Daniels competing for that one spot at that kind of strong safety position. The band, I think that they call they called it the bandit. I don't know yeah, what that's right. going to call that's it. Right. But if if Shawn Michael Flanagan's out there first snap of game one, I, I wouldn't be shocked or think Daniels is hurt or anything. I think those guys are going to rotate in until someone kind of solidifies themselves. Maybe that happens in fall camp. Maybe it happens in the non-con. But both those guys looked good as well. Yeah, Lyric Rawls is interesting, and it's just good to know that you you rattled off six names there that jumped out at you, so you'll definitely take that, um, especially at the safety spot where you're you're losing quite a bit. Jason Taylor, though, can be the anchor of that group, in my, in my opinion, and so you factor him in, plus, a, I mean, a Kendall Daniels, who by all accounts, I mean, might have been ready, like, like late last year, maybe. Uh, so I, I don't know. There's, there's been a lot of, Oh, I think so. Yeah. There's been a lot of talk about him for a long time. So um, I can't wait. You've got, you've given me the warm and fuzzy here, Dustin, because now I'm like, okay, when do I book my trip to Dallas? Like what, what do flights look like? That's, that's kind of where I'm at because the secondary <laughs> is good. If the secondary is good, then Oklahoma state is very good. That's just my, the bottom line for me. Well, well, Kate, I'm, I'm just 
I feel like we're pumping so much. <laughs> orange Kool-Aid. So much orange Kool-Aid. We're mainlining. Right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I probably need to chill out, but it, it was just football for the first time in forever, Kate. And I'm a little bit hyped up. So maybe take some of what I'm saying with a grain of salt, but I'm about to keep hyping it up even more. Jabbar Muhammad, you know me. I was a, I'm a big Corey Black guy. Corey Black looked great. Jabbar Muhammad, he's going to be an all-Big 12 cornerback next year. Holy cow. Ne- this coming year? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just a take. That when, when, when do you get into Dallas on Big 12 title uh, championship <laughs> game weekend? When does that happen for you? Because if that's the case, if Oklahoma State has an all-Big 12 player in the secondary, I think they're back in Dallas. Anyway, well, I, don't, I don't want to get I, too far. Ahead I've seen – and that's not just me. I, I think I saw Robert Allen say it. I, I want to say maybe even Marshall or somebody on Pistols Firing was talking Goodness about Jabbar Muhammad just looking at it. So it's it's not like just a crazy hot take that He's I that good. out of nowhere. He looked this interception he had on Sanders. It, it wasn't a great it wasn't a great throw. I'm not saying it was like the best interception of all time, but just the speed, the way he broke on the ball. He's very physical out there. It's that looks like something he's been working on because you know Corey Black is a guy who we've seen be really physical, maybe get away with some defensive pass interference calls in the past. He's good at being physical when? without getting when? called for it. So <laughs> he's, he's good at being physical is what I'm saying without, you know, smart in a smart way. Jabbar, you know, sometimes maybe not doing that last year when we saw him out there, but he's definitely worked on that. He was, he had his hands all over everybody. He's not, he wasn't afraid to go up and get for the contested catches, get after people. So that was fun to see those two guys are good my, my gundy, biggest oh, uh, gundy said he reminds him of uh broderick brown oh well that's not a bad comp that's a yeah. little interesting though because broderick brown was like five eight like so also had one of the greatest plays in, in pickett stadium history but um yeah that's an interesting comp not a bad one either broderick brown was good a really good cover corner the only question i have at cornerback is depth i mean who who behind Jabbar Muhammad, Corey Black, DeKelvin Beeman is a name I keep hearing. Is that is that a pipe dream or is is he in the two deep here? No, Beeman looked good. Kate honestly couldn't tell who the twos were. I think the first guys that came out there were DeMarco Jones and Cam Smith. That makes sense. I saw but Dylan McKinney it, out there too. Yes, it was Beeman. It was it was uh, Cam Smith. It was Ray Gay. It was Dylan McKinney. All these guys were rotating in. Uh, Kale Smith as well. Who I don't think we've mentioned him. All those guys are out there running at cornerback. They all, you know, they all did some things good. They all did a couple of things that I'm like, hey, those are young guys that haven't played a lot. But I like what I saw from DeMarco Jones. He was a guy that kind of popped to me. Cam Smith looked good. But if I had to make a guess right now, I'd probably go Jones and Beeman. But the fact that Cam Smith was out there first, unless I'm uh, unless I have this note wrong and I'm misremembering. Maybe, maybe that's a sign, but I think all these guys are just rotating in. I think Jones is a staple, though. I would say he's going to be be one of the twos. It probably should be that. I mean, he's a redshirt junior. He's stuck around. Has been a really solid special teams contributor for better half of two years now. So that's not shocking. It's good to see him in the 2D, but you hope that's, like, not out of necessity. Because, uh, right. I mean, one guy goes down, and then all of a sudden, I mean, it's it's a different story. So, um, anyway, you hope they've been able to find some quality depth there. I mean, 
DeMarco Jones, this is, this is year four in the system. You would hope that by now things have gotten uh, to a, to a good enough spot where he can fill in, but we haven't seen a ton of, of him in coverage. So I'll be curious to see what happens. You think any chance, like any chance they go take a flyer on somebody late in the portal at corner, like a Michael Hunter type situation, like they did a few years ago. I could see it. I, I could see if there's, there's somebody that they like that they think they could bring in and at least have as some depth there, but it would have to be somebody that knows they're not going to come in and, and be a one because I don't right. think, I don't think anybody in the portal right now is jumping Corey black and Jabbar Muhammad. I could be wrong there. I haven't, I don't uh, go through my nightly cornerback in the portal um, routine anymore, but <laughs> not but anymore. We'll, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing that, but we'll see. I, I do think it's a good, I do think it's a good call out. I think that's something that could happen. I really like Beeman though, too. I, I know good. I was talking about tomorrow. I've heard Jones. great he's, things. He's, he's a little bit bigger. I think he's like six foot two ten. He's, he's kind of a thicker guy. So he's uh he's got a little bit of size out there. I, I think he's a guy that can make some plays and then Cam Smith looked good too. All the, all these guys showed a little bit. Ray Gay was out there. I noticed him a lot because he was always on my side of the field. So well, I mean, I, I think we name-dropped 90 players on the Oklahoma State roster today, so kudos to you, Dustin. Uh, that was fun. A great <laughs> spring game breakdown. I'm glad you were there. It's a bummer I wasn't able to get there. But, um, I mean, it, I want to ask you one question before we kind of move on. I basically on. just said everyone looked really good. So. Everybody looked good. <laughs> Nobody looked bad. We're not going to lose. So, Give me kind of your your to wrap this up and, and move on in, into the next segment of the podcast. This the part of the team you were maybe surprised about the unit of the team out of all these that we've spoken about that maybe you were pleasantly surprised about, and then the one that you leave the spring with questions about. I think the linebackers. I was pleasantly surprised just because I hadn't got to see a lot of Cobb in any of Xavier Benson besides you know, the things we've been hearing, the little clips we've seen on practice on OSU Max or on Twitter. I thought both those guys looked really good. I thought Bishop looked good. I really loved Jeff Robertson. Uh, Stevens looked great out there as well. And then my guy, Gabe Brown, making the plays there at the end. I thought linebacker was fun, but safety's probably a close second. I can't go with defensive line because missing a lot of the Leos out there. But I, right. I thought the linebackers probably pleasantly surprised by them the most on the defensive side. And then I think I'm going to go with – I think I'm just going to go with the offensive line on the offensive side because I have no idea what's what's going to happen there. Because – I mean, I have an idea of what's going to happen there, but I had no idea what to take from it because, you know, it was Jake Henry, Jake Springfield, Hilton Marsh, Taylor Matirko, Preston Wilson snap into the 7-on-7, seven seven. Eli Russ goes down, Caleb Etienne, Tyron Weber, and Logan Nobles. That's it. Right. So many names missing from that, especially with the guys coming in. It's just an area of concern because I think with so many injuries, so many guys missing spring, I know I, we just were talking about not being worried about it, but I think that's got to be the one that's disappointing and just kind of, it sucked not being able to see the ones out there kind of moving, moving guys around and really going against this defensive line. Yeah, no, I, I think that checks out. It's, it's kind of where I'm at. If I would answer my own question, cornerback is still a question for me i'm excited i mean if oklahoma state as a as you said an all big 12 player in in the cornerback room then they're going to be very good defensively like very very good not take much of a step back but if they don't 
and they don't have the quality depth behind them, that's where you start to get a little bit concerned about them. Um, so oh, that would right. be that would be one that I I I kind of put a star next to it. It's like might be the most like outside of offensive and defensive line might be the position on, on this team that I'm like, okay, if that checks out, they're, they're good. Um, and, and maybe the one that I'm, I'm most surprised about, I think I agree with you. Linebacker is one where if you've got six guys and a guy like Cameron Farrar is, is transferring out, which we've, we talked about this uh, almost like in a roundabout way. We talked about that as a possibility, like the depth there seemed to be improving. Um, you got to feel good about that. Yeah, and one guy that I think we mentioned maybe transferring was uh, Nadrian Dizadere. Oh, that's right. And he he was out there as well at the spring game. I, I don't remember anything specific popping off to me, but may, maybe he's another guy that's kind of in the mix. And to your point, didn't mean to interrupt you, but another reason Farrar might transfer. We thought we thought it was going to be him, but we we knew it was going to be somebody with all the guys they had in there. So yeah. No doubt. Well, well, Dustin, unbelievable breakdown of the spring finale scrimmage practice uh, extravaganza. Uh, appreciate you. Glad you were able to get there. And um, before we move on, we've got an NFL draft preview to get to. We've got transfer portal news. We've got listener questions. I want you to keep it locked here at the Feels Like 45 podcast, but we're going to take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. All right, guys, listen up. Sponsor on the podcast, Homefield Apparel, is absolutely crushing it. If you haven't checked them out yet, you absolutely need to. I mean, they are leading the charge in premium vintage collegiate apparel right now. Uh, I mean, they are offering vintage college sports T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies, with over 100 schools available. And I mean, they're adding new ones all the time. This is the perfect gift. Uh, Homefield Apparel for the sports fan, for the college sports fan. You got to go check them out. And use our promo code FEELS12 to get 15% off your first order. And, of course, all orders over $100 get free shipping as always. Promo code FEELS12, 15% off your first order. And all orders over $100 get free shipping at Homefield Apparel. Visit them at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, Dustin, moving in, you and I are about to set a record here. I mean, this this podcast is going to blow the other ones out of the water in terms of length, but we're here for it. I mean, I, I'm well hydrated in, in multiple ways here. I know you are. So I mean, let's take let's a nap just, at some point. Just yeah, let you talk. Well, we did actually. We just did take a commercial break. <laughs> we did some calisthenics. I had a heavy leg day yesterday. I had to get a stretch in. So anyway, knowing I'm sitting here for three hours with you, I had to get something going. But the NFL draft, it seems a little bit low-key this year. Not a ton of chatter about it. Not even just from an Oklahoma State perspective. I Maybe I'm just not paying attention. Maybe I'm busier this year. It doesn't seem like it's as big a spectacle as it normally is. Um, but, I mean, you know, what we can do, Dustin, what I'd like to do, and I know, I know we kind of talked about this, let's break Oklahoma State's eligible draftees down into, into three buckets here. Talk about the ones that we think are going to get drafted the ones that we think will be picked up in the priority free agent, undrafted free agent realm. And then the guys that we think have a chance to make a team. And that is really like either we believe they could, or it's a really long shot that they will. And so, I mean, I think, I think these groups to me are pretty cut and dry. And so I think you and I will probably agree on quite a bit. 
But let's just start. I mean, do you want to start from the top down? Or do you want to start from the bottom up? I mean, we can start with the guys that we think have a, a slight shot at making a team. I think we start there personally. Yeah, let's start with those guys because we'll probably won't spend a ton of time on them. In, in that category, so the guys that have a shot at making a roster, but we're, we're not 100% sure, but we think they could. I've got four guys there. I've got L.D. Brown, former Cowboy running back. I've got former Cowboy defensive lineman Israel Antwine, offensive lineman Danny Godlevsky, and Cowboy back Logan Carter. Yeah. I, I any, any discrepancies there for you? No, the, the, the one there that's interesting, and it's like Israel Antwine. I mean, he didn't have to enter the NFL draft. Yeah, and maybe maybe I'm downplaying him there. That, that could be a guy who maybe is going to get picked up as a priority free but, agent on a team. But I just – I don't know if any of those guys – haven't heard a lot of them meeting with teams, and maybe that's something we've missed. But just not a lot of making waves like some of the Devin Harpers and Christian Holmes that we've heard have been meeting with literally – there was an article that – or a tweet that I saw earlier before we got on the pod that Holmes had met with 28 of the 32 teams. So wow, I, I haven't heard any of that about Israel Antwine. And again, it's it's something I could have I could have missed just from what I saw from his play. I thought he was a really good player at Oklahoma State. I just don't know if I don't know if he's a guy that sticks. I think he I think he out of those four probably makes a team, but I don't know how long his career is, and I hope I'm wrong. Yeah, out of those four, I think he's the one that potentially could make a team. I don't see it though. I mean, I. I mean, an undrafted free agent roster and then, and, and, you know, I, I don't know how much further he would make it past that. He would be the one that I would think, you know, LD, it's a little sad. I think maybe career derailed by injuries a little bit. I think he had a lot of talent. Um, so much speed, so much speed, really straight line speed. Couldn't do a whole lot else. Um, so interesting to see what ends up happening with him. But I think that that bucket makes a ton of sense to me. And then shifting into the priority free agent realm, this undrafted free agent, guys that are not going to get drafted but will make a roster, I think you absolutely nailed this. I mean, you have Christian Holmes, Josh Sills, Trey Sterling, Tay Martin, and Jalen Warren. I think every one of those guys absolutely makes a roster. And if I I was going to ask you one question, which one of those guys you think could sneak into the draft, if any of them? I mean, it, it could be none of them. I'm just curious. So I've seen some mocks with Holmes, Sterling, Sills, and Tay getting drafted, uh, mainly sixth and seventh round. I don't think I saw any of them higher than that. But to answer your question, I honestly think it's Holmes just because of how much buzz he's been getting. We brought it up. We heard him talking on the Orange Power podcast. I think it was about a month ago about he'd already met with multiple teams, and now we're seeing these reports that he's met with a bunch of teams. I know, I think it was the uh, Indiana Col- Indianapolis Colts he recently visited. Visiting that many teams, that many people that kind of want, want you, we talked about this with Devin Harper, if that many teams want him, maybe somebody drafts him because once it gets to free agency, he'll, he'll just be able to choose. Yeah, that's, that is very true. Um I mean, do you think so I could see I could see him slipping into a late round? Just somebody's like, "Hey, we, we really liked Holmes. Let's just take him." So he can't. He can't I think go he would else. be the one. I agree with. I I think I agree with you there too. I mean, Tay Martin. I don't know if he has enough 
there. Um, he would be the only other one along with Christian Holmes that I could see somebody taking a late flyer on, but be, for the reasons you listed. And I mean, it seems like everybody and their dog is interested in Christian Holmes. So uh, yeah. I, I'm with you. I know I've seen a few things saying people are concerned about Tay Martin's overall speed, but I think his, his just quickness route running we talked about is amazing. So yeah, I think he yeah. makes up for that there. And then some of the drops I, I've saw have been kind of a concern for some yeah. of the scouts looking that, at it. I mean, that, that checks out all, all of that makes sense. Straight line speed. He's not, he's not a burner. So I, I, I can see that. I mean, lastly, moving on to the guys we think are going to get drafted. I mean, we, we know Malcolm Rodriguez probably going to be, I mean, where do you put him? Sixth round, fifth round. I've seen some of them going a little bit higher. I've seen as high as four. I think wow. there was one that came out recently that had him at four. I, if I, if you made me guess right now, I'm going to say fifth where you have him. I don't, I don't hate that at all. I think if, if scouts turned the film on, they would see a, a linebacker that, that would probably surprise them. And then his measurables at pro day. I mean, we're, we're out of this world. So, um, it wouldn't shock me. Um, you're correct. There, there are some that have him as high as fourth, which is surprising. Um, frankly, I think he's deserving of that. Absolutely. But he isn't like, like body frame style. He's not like the prototypical NFL linebacker. So it probably does feel like for some of these NFL teams that they're going out on the limb. I, I don't know, but that's just what I would expect. Um, so I could see, him going as high as that i could also see him slipping later into the draft because there there may be something in the tape that they see that they don't love or you know a, a team thinks they can get him for a bargain and and sometimes that happens so yeah it, you hit it on the head the the main knock on him that i've seen is his size and kind of shorter arms which ah who cares are, are tough i i've seen tough for him to get off blocks but outside of that everything else that Malcolm Rodriguez does. I, I think a team's got to draft him. I think fifth round is a good spot. I mean, I would draft him probably in the first, but yeah, I think fifth, right, round yeah, is, right. fifth round is where he goes. Outside of him, Colby Harvell Peel, I think he sneaks in. I know it's funny, Cade, reading the, the knock on him is something that you and I kind of hit on him getting fooled by play action, by the RPO <laughs> stuff, by double moves. That's pretty much the only big knock on him. He did pretty well at the pro day overall. I know it, at uh, the combine, he only did the bench press. Wasn't lightning fast, but had a good time. A lot, none of the safeties at the combine really ran like super, super fast. I think Kyle Hamilton was like a four, five, six or something. He's one of the top guys there. So I, I think Colby Harvell Peel sneaks in. I, I don't know. He, he's a guy that I could also see falling out. Yeah, I think him, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to ask you, you think – based on what you just said at the tail end of that comment, do you think Malcolm Rodriguez could be the only guy that gets drafted here? I know we got Devin Harper to get to, but like, could they get to a position where it's just Malcolm Rodriguez? I, I could see that. I could see it. I, I really could too. It's a great point. Kate, I, I, I think Devin Harper is going to get drafted. <laughs> he should. He should. Absolutely. I think somebody's going to draft him. If, if he Maybe doesn't, my Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I wouldn't be shocked, but there's just been so much buzz. His pro day measurables were absurd. Yeah. He was basically in the top three, top one, two 
in every category for linebackers that were at the combine. And I know, I know it's pro day. I know a lot of that stuff can, can sometimes be inflated, but I think these are real numbers. We saw it on tape. Like I said earlier in the pod, maybe one of the most underrated linebackers in Oklahoma state history. I think someone takes a flyer on him late. No, I, I I'm totally with you. I think he, he does everything well enough to me. Like I, he's fast enough sideline to sideline. He's quick can cover. Well, he's an unbelievable tackler. So I think, I mean, again, it's like Malcolm Rodriguez. If you just turn the tape on, you can tell the type of player uh, that, that he is. So um, yeah, to me, if, if a team takes a flyer on him and I know the Cowboys have been interested, it feels like <laughs> a James Washington scenario where it's like, we talk about it as a pipe dream and the Cowboys actually are interested. And then they pick him up again. It, it feels like he could end up there. I mean, they, they need quality depth there. They're, they're not loaded. Um, that's a landing spot that I'm looking for. Maybe a late round pick seventh round or, undrafted free agent but i mean all of these guys are going to end up in a really good spot i think i kind of side with you um i think malcolm rodriguez is a surefire pick but colby harville peel is one that like i think he could go as high as late sixth round and i could see him sliding all the way out yeah i completely agree i i hope all three of those guys get drafted i hope holmes and tay martin even a guy like josh sills i mean the dude showed he could play every single position on the offensive line in college so you know may, maybe somebody takes some flyers on some of these guys late but i think you're right i think malcolm rodriguez is one pretty much can guarantee he gets drafted somewhere in the fourth through sixth round maybe seventh it, it he falls that far and then colby harvell peel is a guy i think is going to get drafted i'm hoping devin harper does and he's kind of like my sleeper pick and then outside of that it would be a surprise to me if anybody else does but like we talked about holmes sills martin I think Trey Sterling's pro day just was not great. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's going to get drafted, but I always thought he was an incredible player. So I bet he makes a team. Oh, I, I think you're right. I think everybody that we talked about in that second and third tier is going to land on a roster. And I think a lot of those guys may end up actually making the, the 53, 52 man. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I mean, Dustin moving on into, you know, post spring game, Big recruiting weekend for a lot of programs. It is for Oklahoma State, but because it's not necessarily a huge spectacle, maybe not a humongous focus on recruiting this weekend, but, uh, you know, some news. And I do want to start with the commitment of Billy Walton uh, today. And I know we've got some other things to get to, but that's a big one. Um, 6'2", 215 out of Texas, edge rusher, maybe a little bit undersized right now, but as I told you kind of before we went live, I think he, I mean, he had 12 sacks his junior year in Texas. Uh, I think he's 5A, if I'm not mistaken, if not 6A. Yeah, he's but 5A. He, he screams like prototypical, prototypical Oklahoma State player that, that they recruit and develop up. Like I could totally yeah. see one offseason of body by glass and he's, you know, they turn him into a high four-star. Yeah, and he, he's a guy that comes in and can, play that leo spot uh i thought it was he really is yeah you know we got a question about who we thought was going to commit I, he was not somebody on my radar i think i said dylan smith cam smith's little brother but his quote about that he told 247 about his uh visit it exceeded my expectations i didn't think it was going to be as interesting as it was 
everybody was like, there's nothing to do in Oklahoma. So I thought it was going to be kind of lame, but actually it was very fun. It was nice. I'm not going to lie. I had had not seen that quote. That's fantastic. (laughs) It's good stuff. But Kate, when do we build the Greg Richmond statue? Yeah, no kidding. Recruiting like great talent. Every single defensive line, even linebacker recruit, pretty much any defensive recruit, they've got something to say about Greg Richmond in, in like their first sentence of every interview. He's been absolutely dominating. That's probably why Gundy wanted to move him into that defensive line spot, move JBC over, kind of, you know, when he shuffled shift everything around, obviously with Coy McFarlane leaving, following Jim Knowles, I, I know that was probably the real reason for all the movement, but you got to give Greg Richmond his due and you got to pay this guy, which Gundy has done and moved him into that spot because he's a recruiting monster. We've mentioned it on here, but getting a guy who had SMU, Texas and Oklahoma state in his final three and everything you saw on every recruiting board, every message board said he was going Texas. Then he comes in, goes to the spring finale, has his visit and he commits to Oklahoma state. And one of the first things he talks about is, is his relationship with coach Richmond that's just incredible stuff. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And he's been recruiting like crazy, but the defensive line has just – the quality there has gone up dramatically over really even like the last three years. I mean, we thought Trace Ford was generational talent, and he I think he still could be. But then you bring in a Colin Oliver, and Tyler Lacey has, has become a – you know, all big 12 type player NFL draft pick. I mean, the, the talent is there. And I think Billy Walton, you know, again, as I mentioned, undersized today, one off season with body by glass, he's 6'2", 240. And all of a sudden he has all the tools and the size and the speed to be a Colin Oliver. I mean, it, it, it's the writing is on the wall there with him. And it's, it's another testament to Oklahoma state taking a you know you can say quote unquote a flyer on a three-star prospect and they're they're going to develop him up i'm telling you billy walton is going to be a great player at oklahoma state i can it's it's like right there as long as he goes and does what he's supposed to do yeah i completely agree he's also interesting note he's the cousin of jabbar muhammad oh he is that's right who and so also he's cousins with aj green former Oklahoma State cornerback. because Who is cousins, cousins with Jabbar Muhammad. <laughs> yes. So he came in, Cade, from DeSoto High School, transferred in to, uh, I believe it's, is it South? South Oak, Oak Cliff. Cliff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So he transferred in. He played wide receiver at DeSoto. They bring him over. They play him. I don't know if you've watched his huddle tape, and I want to do a full breakdown on him. I'll go watch some game film like I did with, uh, with our guy Zane, who I'm not going to say his last name because Cade and I were talking off the podcast – we don't know if it's Flores or Flores because it's said differently in like every interview. So we're not even getting into that right now. It's Zane. It's Z-Dog. Now we're just going to call him Zane. My guy's Zane. <laughs> uh, I'll do something like that on him. But Walton is just a absolute freak on film from the huddle tape that I've watched. They have him as a hand in the ground defensive lineman, a stand-up edge. He's at linebacker. It looks like he's kind of in like a drop-down safety position at times. He's dropping into coverage. He's blitzing. You never know what he's going to do. And like we mentioned, he's a little bit of kind of like an in-between size. You don't know if he's really a stand-up edge or a linebacker. But the athleticism and his ability to just kind of be all over the place and still come and lay a hit on somebody – is pretty impressive. And I think they're going to do exactly what you said, get him in the body by glass system, put him in that Leo spot. And he's just going to be another 
absolute freak there for Oklahoma State. It does seem like it. I mean, I, I, there were some people that were over the moon excited about it, and some people that were like undersized, just another three star. I, I don't see it that way. I think, I think get him in the program and and watch him flourish because that's again, I think the writing is on the wall there. I mean, Dustin, some some other things going on. Cam Franklin, we have talked about him on this podcast. I, I didn't feel great about his prospect of staying with Oklahoma State, especially after the official visit he took. We didn't to even know he's visiting. Well, no, he it shows came up, up at the end. Yeah, shows up to Stillwater, and I mean, by all accounts, he's he's locked into Oklahoma State at this point. Yeah, we've seen that in the past with Oklahoma State commits. If they go and take visits somewhere else, and normally they don't end up coming to Oklahoma State. And he not only went to Ole Miss, he went to Louisiana Lafayette as well that's after right. the commitment. So, oh, that's right. Lot, he did do but, that. Yeah. yeah. But then he, he comes in with this quote, Cade. So I think Oklahoma State gives me the best chance to continue chasing my dreams while at the same time getting the best education. Oklahoma State has oh. anything and everything anyone could need. And I don't see how anyone chooses to go anywhere else. This weekend has wow. done nothing but add to the reasons I made my decision. I'm ready to get here now and get to work with my new family. Wow. Well, yeah. that would be one hell of a decommitment if that ever happened. So yeah. Yeah. After that quote. Uh, yeah. Okay. There's, there's more guys who visited who I think could commit soon. You know, I thought Dylan, Dylan Smith, I think he set his date for June 10th. I don't know how we don't see him go to Oklahoma state, the younger brother of Ken Smith, who we mentioned earlier. There's some buzz now about Avion Carter. That would be, yes, huge. there is the four yes, star. There is. I'm not going to put my stamp of approval on him coming here just yet, but the, the fact that he's he's tweeting out a bunch of stuff as well, it's pretty awesome. Sitting on bullet. I think he had his whole family up there too. So, yeah, Avion Carter would be would be massive. I mean, they're they're bringing in some guys on the defensive side of the football. <laughs> hey, Dustin, anything else out of the spring weekend? It's a little bit quiet on the recruiting front. That's kind of how I led into this segment any anything else that jumps out of you obviously cam Ferrar transferred but we kind of spoke about that at, in the beginning of the podcast so yeah not nothing uh nothing super noteworthy there's other things we could hit on but just in the in the sake of time since you and i are going all night we might as well <laughs> keep going because we can talk about some of this stuff next week like yeah i'm gonna have to log PTO tomorrow if we, go any later. <laughs> we can talk about those guys next week all right well before we move on i do want to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor, Price Buckley with Edward Jones. Price is a fourth generation in his family to graduate with Oklahoma State University, and he loves working with fellow alumni. Price uses a personalized approach to build a custom investment strategy tailored to your unique goals and circumstances so you can turn your ideal future into a reality. As always, you can reach Price at 469-757-0290 or on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price hyphen Buckley, B-U-C-K-L-E. Why again? That's four six nine seven five seven zero two nine zero. Price, thank you again for your support of the Feels Like Forty Five podcast and the sick new pop filter I've got on my microphone. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> Dustin, I mean, moving on into some some basketball transfer portal news. I mean, nothing incoming, everything outgoing, and the big news. I mean, out of Stillwater today is Isaac likely hitting the transfer portal. We had heard. And, and seeing this really wasn't a well-kept secret, that this was a possibility. Earlier in the year, we had talked about Isaac likely potentially going to the NBA draft. Um, the conversation seems over the last couple of weeks to have shifted to 
entering the portal as a grad transfer and even in his decommit or his, his entering of the transfer portal post, he says, I have decided not to enter the NBA draft. And he even says not in italics. So, you know, that he knew what we were talking about. So, I mean, Dustin, what, what's your immediate reaction to Isaac likely entering the portal? I've got my opinion, but I, I want to know yours first. I think both you and I thought he was gone, whether that, yeah. that was NBA draft or transferring. So I'm not shocked. And Kate, if, if he gets in the right situation, and I think it's going to be a power five team, if he goes somewhere with shooters that can spread the floor and oh. let him do what he does and let him play his very physical brand of guarding one through five, basically on defense, I think he could really kind of boost his draft stock. I'm not, I'm not sure how far you can ever boost it with him just not ever showing the ability to shoot and much less even really shoot free throws. But I think he could be a huge asset, bringing his leadership, his ball handling, his ability to drive, pass, and then his defense to a team that is looking for a guy that can ball handle and bring leadership and, and kind of those intangibles. Couldn't agree with you more. I, I thought he was gone, but I just thought it was he was gone to the NBA to, and, and maybe figured out in the G League. But I, I completely agree with you. If he ends up at like a – I mean, here's here's a scary proposition for you. He could very well end up in the in the Big 12 with a Texas Tech or a Baylor like type of program. And if that's the case, that would not be great for Oklahoma State. That wouldn't be great for really anybody because he he was just in the wrong situation at Oklahoma State. And, you know, running that offense with, you know, some tentative abilities in the half court, like not great ability shooting the basketball, I think was asked to do a lot and. You know, he's going to end up being one of the probably most beloved Cowboys and then maybe end up being one of the most polarizing Cowboys because there were a lot of people that were like, man, you just can't play him. And 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 he's actually his name in the record books. I I think he was the only Cowboy ever with a thousand points. I think it was 600 rebounds and 400 assists ever. That's amazing. That sheet stuffer, except, except for the points sometimes. Yeah, except for the points part of it and the shooting percentage part but regardless he if he ends up somewhere at a you know of a florida i i I would expect something like that is where he ends up so um you know good for him i'm glad he's gonna go find something and you know what else good for mike boynton good for mike boynton saying you know what i think the time has come like oklahoma state has reached the point where we're going in a different direction. Mike Boynton has talked about tearing the offense down um, and, and kind of rebuilding it with more shooters. You can't have an Isaac Likely running around out there. You just can't. And so I think you throw Isaac Likely into a Mark Vidal role almost at, at, at like ba- Baylor a couple of years ago. I think he will flourish. And I think both Your parties guy. will be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We go way back. We're boys. Uh, I think both parties will be better off because of it. So, yeah, I completely agree. It's sad. It's sad to see him go, but I think he's going to, I think he's probably making the right decision. Yeah. I mean, a couple of other things, some transfers, finding a home. We knew Donovan Williams took a visit to Pacific, but Keelan Boone committed to Pacific out of nowhere. Well, I I think everybody and their dog thought it would be Tulsa. So Keelan Boone going to Pacific. I had to Google where it was, which is sad. (laughs) It's not the ocean. I'm uh I'm not I'm not super surprised. I didn't think he was gonna land at a at a major school. 
you know, he never really showed the consistency as a shooter. And then we, we've talked about kind of his lapses on the team defensive end. Wish him all the best, but I not not shocked. He's not really at a major powerhouse. I just I just want to point out how insane the transfer portal is right now. This is what we heard on April 11th. Who was reaching out to Keelan Boone? Memphis, Arizona State, Xavier, Texas Tech, Georgia Tech, Pitt, Georgia, and Tulsa. Some really good programs. And then he ends up at Pacific. And so, like, I don't want to get into what the portal means, but for a lot of players, there's over a thousand guys in the portal right now who are not going yeah. to find it. Not everybody is guaranteed a spot. Um, it's it's a disaster for a lot of people. And I mean, you know, those names on that list, and then Keelan Boone in the Pacific is. I'm sure it's got to be a little bit disappointing for him. I mean, hopefully he he flourishes and you know can end up grad transferring to somewhere much bigger. That may be the end goal, but. Um, anyway, that was interesting. Matthew Alexander Moncrief ended up at Georgia. Any opinion there? I mean, unless he finds a, a point guard that can, you know, spoon feed him the ball, I don't, I don't know how much changes for him there. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting a ton from him there. I know one of the main reasons he went is meeting back up with Eric Pastrana, former Oklahoma yep. State assistant. That was his, his primary recruiter when he got recruited to Oklahoma State. Pastrana went from Florida to Georgia. So I, I think that's a major reason there. May, may, hey, maybe he'll play really well. I just – I don't think – I think he's more of a role player kind of anywhere he goes in that in that program realm of, like, Power Five. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I mean, beyond that, Imani Bates. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the portal, nothing really new except the Imani Bates news. It's a little quiet. It has been for what feels like months now, but – and more he, guys marking Oklahoma State off their list. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, we, we need less of that. Uh, more guys circling Oklahoma State on their list. But Oklahoma State been linked to Imani Bates, who was the number three player out of high school a couple years back, um, was committed to Michigan State, originally ended up at Memphis, um, didn't find a fit there, had some injury issues that, that got in the way, and, and now uh, is in the portal, and Oklahoma State has reached out. I mean – Dustin, I don't think Oklahoma State has any shot here personally, but yeah, I thought just a big another big list. I'm just not really sure who they're going to land. You know, we've talked Courtney Ramey, we talked about a lot of these, a lot of these guys. It's it's interesting to see a guy like Bates pop in there, but I, I just I don't know I don't know where Oklahoma State is on his kind of radar. Yeah, I mean, I don't know where Oklahoma State is, frankly, on on anybody's radar at this current moment. And I think that's the story of the transfer portal right now. So, I mean, there's really not much movement anywhere. Oklahoma State hasn't been linked to anybody in a in a more significant way other than they've reached out. And in this environment, reached out could be as quick as a two minute phone call to figure out if you're interested or not. And you get you end up on a tweet from John Rothstein. So that's that's where we're at. With this, with this transfer portal, uh, you know, nonsense at times. So, all right, Dustin, we were actually going to skip baseball and softball. One, baseball was kind of a sucky week. Softball, a fantastic week with the sweep of Texas. So it's really all you need to know. Um, but we're having some technical issues. So in the interest of time, we are going to move straight into listener questions this week. And I'm going to go ahead and lead us off. Uh, a friend of the pod, M at underscore camera one underscore 
says, did you see anything defensively during the spring finale that looked different than what we did, what we've done on defense in the past, any signs of Mason's influence, Dustin, I think you actually answered this one earlier. It was pretty vanilla. We saw three down and one roaming Leo most of the game. Yeah, it really was. And it's, it's really hard for me to kind of pick up on what the coverages are when I'm there in person, where I was sitting and when they're kind of switching back and forth between seven and seven on seven and the full team 11 on 11 practice, it, it did look like a lot of man, a lot of match, um, you know, kind of disguises man. But outside of that, like I said, it was the three down linemen in the Leo and they didn't really do a ton of fancy stuff there. Um, I, I know that's not, I know we're going to see a ton of stuff when we get into the season, but nothing really in the spring game that stuck out to me. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you uh, completely there. I, I'm excited to see what happens as we get into the fall, because I think there's going to be some, maybe not exotic, but I think we're going to see some some signs of Mason's influence to to our, our listeners point there. Um, Glory Cowboy, I, there's he said we could, he, she said we could call them uh, a certain name and I, I can't recall it. So Glory Cowboy is who you are. Two questions. If we run four verts plays the, the coming season, Will it be Jaden Bray, Braden Johnson, Brennan Presley, and Shetron? If you want to replace one of those, who will it be? Uh, and are you concerned that the offensive line couldn't block well uh, in this spring game? I know your answer to the second one there. We kind of spoke about it. Depth at that position with the injuries, not much of a concern. Out of those four, though, I mean, any receiver you would sub out of that group uh, to, to answer this question? I mean, I think if if you're talking about I, the ones, I, I don't think Shetron's going to be there. Now, if you're just talking about the four kind of most athletically gifted receivers, I think you leave him in there. But I, I think if the if the ones are out there, I don't know if Shetron's out there. I think, you know, you've got you got your John Paul Richardson's, your Bryson Greens, player Langston Anderson, players like that. But just pure raw athleticism, I think that's a good four. And yeah. then on the second part of the question. I'm not worried about it. They, they only had what I list off eight guys and one of them got hurt. So it's just not, it's not who's going to be out there uh, on game one. Yeah. No, I'm, but I'm, they I'm couldn't block. You. There was, there was not much of a run game. Um. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, we've got several other questions here. I agree with everything you said there. Uh, Brian Metcalf, friend of the pod, you've actually seen this question and you've seen the follow-up. So I can't actually ask you this because you actually know the answer now. So Brian, next time you ask a question, don't send the answer to it. Uh, the moment after you send the question, because we're going to see it. And now Dustin can't answer, but Brian asked, went down a rabbit hole for our passing defense, individual stats for the Gundy era. It was surprised at who has the most pass defense and pass breakups. Can you name the top five in either of those categories? I can't name the top five, Dustin, but if I had to pick names, I told you this before the podcast, if there is a, uh, a hallmark of a good, a good college cornerback, it's that they don't even throw your way. So if it were me, I would look at like a, over the last like 10 years, like a Trey Flowers or a, I mean, Broderick Brown had some pass breakups. I can't think of five off the top of my head though. Um, because ooh, ooh. Who were they? Just list them off because I, I honestly can't remember. I was trying, I was trying not to look at them um because I knew they existed. 
which actually I got two right there. So the, the number one there is Broderick Brown in terms of pass uh, breakups, Christian Holmes, Rodarius Williams, Markel Martin, and Trey Flowers are the top five there. And then it actually goes down. Jarek Bernard Converse, Colby Harvell Peel, and Ramon Richards cracking the top 10 there played a lot of football. So that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, Ramon was there for a long time. A lot of passes defended, a lot of passes given up over the top, but that's okay. Yeah, he's probably on a lot of uh, the stat categories for the defensive backs. He was there forever. No doubt. Uh, a friend of the pod here, Coach Hamby, who has really supplied us on our on our prop bet uh, discussions over our listener question portions. He says over under eight and a half sacks for Colin Oliver this season. Thoughts? So what do you – ten and a half last year? Yeah. But you got to factor in Trace Ford wasn't out there. I don't know if that takes away from some of the snaps. I, I still think he goes over eight and a half. I like that line. Maybe, maybe like right at like nine, nine and a half, maybe a little bit less than last year, but I could also see him, them never taking him off the field and him getting like yeah. 13. That's what, that, that's what I think does. I think he's going to go like full supernova and just be an unbelievable player. Like we saw so much and you can't, you can't double him. Cause you're going to leave trace Ford and, and Tyler Lacey out there on an Island and Brock Martin still roam, roaming around out there. Like I do not see the ability to double Colin Oliver in, in many plans uh, because of the depth on the defensive line for Oklahoma state. So I'm going to go with the over and I think he's going to have like 12. I think I am too. Yeah. I think he's going to yeah, have like 12. I, I think I'm going over, but I like that line and I, I kind of get why, why it was set there. Um, it's a great question. Josh underscore Garrett 98 says, what players should they target with the recent basketball transfers? I don't know who they should target. Courtney Ramey's at the top of that list, but for me, it's a, it's a point guard, a point guard and a point guard. Yeah. I, I'm still going to keep saying Ramey until he decides to cut Oklahoma state out of his list or just altogether go somewhere else. But yeah, there, there's not a lot of guys that Oklahoma State's linked to right now that fit the point guard spot that haven't like already set up visits somewhere else or cut down their list. So I'm going to stick with Ramey. But like if you're talking about position, like you said, I'm going to say point guard. Yeah, no doubt. Um, Corbett Klein says best away football game this season to attend the game based on city and stadium i i love this question because i i don't know how many big 12 stadiums have you seen dustin i mean you've probably seen several yeah i've been to tech ou baylor tcu and i i mean back when AM was still in I, yeah there but i i think that's it i i think we're gonna go to me personally i know this isn't the the top spot but i haven't been yet to KU to Lawrence. So I think we're going to do that this year. Love that road. Love the KU road game every year because, you know, knock on wood, it's, it's usually a dub and Lawrence is fun. Um, yeah. It's not a great stadium, not a great game day environment, but you can get down on the first row there and it's the game usually goes pretty well. So KU was going to be my answer. I think Manhattan is vastly uh, overappreciated in this conference. Yeah, I was going to say I haven't been to Manhattan. I know you've been there, so that that's one I want to go to as well. I, I would have loved to have gone this year, but my daughter, uh, it's her birthday, so oh, obviously. Oh, yeah, so that, you'll be doing that. Yeah, it yeah. kind of sucks that she would do that, but um, <laughs> so not going to go this year, but I, I do want to go to Manhattan, and I know you've been there. 
Yeah, no, Manhattan's cool. Uh, Aggieville's fantastic. I wish the strip was more like it, but from a game day environment, it's I, I'm not a huge fan. I've I've got my reasons. Uh, you can DM my brother if you want to know that. He's an alum <laughs> of of the Kansas State University. So, um, last question here from Chris Chris McGahey. He says, "Should the coaching staff slow down on the usage of Holly Gordon to keep him fresh?" Who had the best spring on offense or defense? I mean, I'll say this, never played it down in, in college football, so I, I think he should be pretty fresh at this point. Um, but I get what, what, with what you mean there. Um, and, you know, to answer the back end of your question, who had the best spring on offense and defense? I mean, I, I think that's a tough question without having been there and seen it ourselves. I mean, we've listed off several names um, that stick out at us. I mean, Dustin literally just said Jabbar Muhammad's a big 12, all big 12 player. So you got to think he's on that list. Yeah. I think the entire defense had a good spring and on offense, a lot of good stuff we've heard about Spencer Sanders, Jaden Bray. I'm going to go with Braden Johnson. I think he's a guy that people kind of forgot about with him missing all last season. And he's been turning some heads in the spring. And I, I think he's a guy that maybe worked himself back into their wide receiver rotation and, you know, could kind of make a name for himself again this year. Not that he already didn't have a name, but kind of kind of reboost his stock for maybe possible NFL future there. Yeah, no, I love it. Brayden Johnson is a good pull too. Um, I I would actually put him there. I mean, and Ollie Gordon, he's been, you know, kind of the unicorn walking around Stillwater. So you got to think he'd be on that list as well. But I mean, Dustin, any, any final thoughts there? I mean, that we're out of listener questions this week. Anything ping-ponging in your brain here as we've been talking for for two hours here uh about the spring game and everything else going on no just apologies for my technical difficulties didn't get to get to baseball and softball like we normally do we'll double up on it next week you know softball's pretty much coming to a close of the regular season so we'll obviously get into some big 12 tournament talk there postseason stuff we'll talk baseball uh cowgirl golf came in second at the big 12s and liana bailey won the individual title it's awesome the guys are playing right now they've got a shot i think they're like i think they're four or five back maybe with one more round to go so we'll see uh we'll see how that ends up but over overall just another solid week for oklahoma state sports and apologies for my voice and my technical difficulties <laughs> well we will never really know if it was dustin or me that were causing <laughs> the technical difficulties but just know that dustin ended up in his closet tonight to do this podcast so um never doubt the commitment that that both of us show to this show um so dustin appreciate you toughing it out it's a bummer we didn't get to softball and baseball we will next week absolutely uh because it was a fantastic weekend for osu softball and just a quick call out before we get out of here a sweep of texas I said they need two out of three. They really needed a sweep, but I didn't think they were actually going to get it. And now they got it. And I mean, man, now it's crunch time. I mean, you got a series with Florida state and OU coming up and uh, all of the chips short are... series with Florida state. They, yeah, they that's moved, right. Cancel one of the games. So just two, but another great week from Miranda Elish. Uh, oh, Kate, I guess that's one more thing to end it on. Kenny Gajewski didn't really give a big update on her injury. She injured her shoulder. Uh, so I hope she's fine. Pitch kind of shook it off. Then she had to stretch it out. Then she ended up throwing a wild pitch and coming out of the game, but said she's getting an MRI. Haven't heard anything from that yet. Hopefully she's back. The good thing about Florida state series being only two games instead of three is 
you could go with Kelly Maxwell and Morgan Day, maybe let Mirandellis rest a little bit before OU, but don't have an update there. And then on the baseball side, the fact that Rock Riggio is still not in the lineup is a little concerning. Scary. I thought he was going to be coming back. He's not. Uh, apparently, Ada Miola might be out for the rest of the season, a guy we've seen at third base. So both both tough losses. Zach Earhart's back, but but we'll see. They're uh, not having a great oh, – oh, no, wait. I think they actually just took the lead against Wichita State. Okay, that's good yes. to know. There's no so, way to watch it, which is a whole other segment of this podcast we can get to. So, uh, But outside of that, I mean, we said we weren't going to give you an update, and you got a little little taste. Yeah, you got a, 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 you got a little taste. Softball. Justin Campbell with another great week goes out the baseball game on Saturday. They lost, but it was still a fun time. Um, yeah, that's that's it. I'll uh, I'll try to get my stuff figured out, and I'll, I'll be back and better next week. <laughs> no doubt about it, Dustin. I mean, those two those two uh, seasons wrapping up quick. Southeast Missouri at home. I think that's this coming week, next weekend, and then Texas Tech the following who, weekend. Who Cade isn't bad. No, I know Oklahoma State needs some guaranteed wins right now. They're not doing all that great. They need some wins. Yeah, yeah, they really do. All right. Well, Dustin, I think it's clear you and I can go here uh, until until the morning hours, but let's not do that. So it was great getting to talk with you. Great uh, breakdown of the spring game, of course. And if you're not already following us, you can follow the Twitter account at FeelsLike45Pod. Follow Dustin at DustRagu and follow me at Cade Webb, and we'll be keeping it locked on Twitter all week with draft coverage, um, softball, baseball, anything you can think of, give us a shout, and we'll see you then. Go Pokes!